RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Let's talk economics. We've had him on the program already. That is Professor Rob McCulloch, and he joins us again. And this is uh, after the Reserve Bank has raised the official cash rate. Rob, welcome to RCR again. Um, Good to have you. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I've just uh, come off listening um, to an interview you did with Corin Dan on Morning Report RNZ about a week ago, and uh, you were talking about the OCR and the performance of the Reserve Bank. And a lot of people have been criticising the Reserve Bank, and last time we talked, we talked about, you know, competence there and uh, possibly an overreaction printing, what, $50 billion and now having to try and wind back their position with, well, you kind of say sort of over-the-top increase in that cash rate, uh, Mm. almost pointing us towards a hard-landing recession potentially rather than softening it up, which is kind of what uh, seems to have happened across the uh, Mm. Tasman. Um, One thing I noticed listening to that interview is that he seemed to be kind of working for the Reserve Bank. He, He was... He was pushing back against you and he was defending them. Did, did you get that impression during that interview? I, I did get the very strong impression. I mean, uh, Corin Dan seemed to be defence of the Reserve Bank and then his brother Liam Dan, who uh, is the economics correspondent in the Herald, they seemed to be some sort of tag team uh, wrestling duo. And uh, then he you know, tagged his brother and now his brother... To today had the lead article uh, on the web, on the Herald, uh, essentially defending the Reserve Bank. And typically what his brother does when he defends the Reserve Bank is he quotes a whole raft of uh, chief economists at the bank. Um, One of the main ones, Liam, uh, his brother usually quotes is uh, Sharon Zollner. Well, you know, Sharon Zollner actually works for John Key. You know, she's the chief economist at ANZ Bank. They're regulated by the Reserve Bank. So, you know, they're they're instructed never to criticise the Reserve Bank. So how can that be um, independent? And uh, Radio New Zealand interviewed Sharon Zollner. So I'm not not sure what's going on uh, uh, with the media in in the sense that they're coming sort of to to the defence of of the establishment. And what, what I find quite strange is that I thought I was taking... Uh, quite a left, it's considered quite a left-wing economic position. My view, my position has been, look, they risk overreacting. It's a view held by many eminent economists throughout the world who've been, uh, you know, arguing uh, on the side of caution. You don't want to, you know, have a recession if you can avoid it. So that the, I'm on the side of people with big mortgages who have their back against the walls with well, with high interest rates? Um, if you're a sort of a real right winger, you often say, "No, we've got to hatch a, a, a high cut rates more, all in the name of getting inflation low." So I'm taking the side of the unemployed, to the the weak, the vulnerable, the people with big mortgages, and then I have what Liam Dan and I have his brother Corin Dan at Radio New Zealand. You have <laughs> what the you. might of the media establishment saying to yeah. me, "I'm some kind." of of like terrible person taking a, a left-wing position defending the you know unemployed and jobless and people with big mortgages. So you know I, I can't add it up. Um, is, is this the, is the point they just want to defend the Reserve Bank, defend the government? Uh, they know it's a vulnerability for for the for the government. I, I find it quite bizarre. Yeah, it is interesting. It's sort of kind of like a, a reverse of what you would expect. Um, mm. And I see that the ANZ has now started to uh, bump up 
mm. after the latest um, increase their rates, but they're saying they're absorbing most of it. So that's nice. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, and the point about where we're at now and those people in difficulty that, you know, you were kind of thinking of when you're making those comments mm is many of them would have been lured into the cheap money during that printing phase. Of course. A few years ago. And that was like being lured into a trap. And now, yeah. and now you know, they're, they're being spun around and it's whacking them the other way. And it's all from the same institution, the Reserve Bank. Yeah, that's right. They uh, did their 50 billion money printing process uh, program and reduced rates close to zero. House price, I think the average house price in New Zealand, hit around a million dollars. Yeah. Um, so they went and tricked, uh, you know, thousands of people into taking mortgages, probably of seven or eight hundred thousand, to buy a uh, million dollar house. And now house prices are, you know, coming off twenty percent from back then. So, uh, you know, if they went another down another twenty percent, uh, that's called negative equity. The house will be worth less than the uh, the mortgage. So, um, yeah. So Thanks. that's scary. Thank you that's, very much, Adrian Orr. Yeah. So, I mean, the question of competence really comes into it. They've overreacted, and now they're trying to pull it back. So they're more interested in what the look, their look, and um, their the perception of them rather than, you know, everyday real people's lives, it seems. You could argue that. Well, we've been on this competence theme for quite a, a while. And um, if you take a look at who sits in at the meetings when they decide the official cash rate, one of them is the general manager of economics, the GM of economics at the bank. Uh, that person doesn't have an economics degree. Oh, they have right. a degree in marketing and accountancy. Well, you know, okay, you've got people setting interest rates and, you know, who are meant to know a thing or two about monetary economics who've never studied monetary economics. So I just think they're getting it wrong. That's my view. They just, uh, you know, they don't have the expertise in there. Well, that's that's a worry, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so marketing and accountancy. So that's what, how to spin accountancy. Look, a former chair of the Reserve Bank, and I'm not going to name them, but they referred uh, to the governor as a populist governor. And uh, what is one of the uh, characteristics of uh, populists? They they really don't like academics, for one thing, like me. I mean, they really, you know, academics and uh, sort of part of the sort of elite in a way, the intellectual type. Well, that's looks to me very much the Reserve Bank. They're not they're not really into sort of fancy pants academic types. So, uh, you know, they, they want uh, just regular people setting monetary policy. Well, good luck to them. Yeah. And then you've got journalists who, who kind of stick up for them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so get, a regular, get a regular person next time you go to the GP, by the way, who's never studied medicine. Oh, you come and see me. <laughs> see how they go. Yeah. Let's set ourselves up. Adrian, I can help. Uh, <laughs> So what are the consequences then of this? Uh, just take us through this latest rise. We know that unemployment goes up when inflation is being fought. And I've seen figures of, you know, maybe 70, 75,000, mm. um, what added to the 90,000 already. Mm. Um, and we're in uncertain global waters as well. So, you know, we might not have an incredible amount of influence of what we can do here anyway. So what are the threats on the on the on your radar screen from this latest rise and the culture, let's say that um, we're wondering about here of the bank. 
Well, we're turning out um, to be contrary to uh, some of the propaganda that you're, you're you're reading constantly in the mainstream media that actually we're not doing too badly and everyone else is sort of doing just as badly as us. Well, you know, you know that's a nice line which most of the mainstream media are running. Um, and if you believe that line, then it's reminiscent of this uh, saying there are lies, damn lies and statistics because you can pick statistics which make our current performance look absolutely shocking. And uh, they, they don't feature much in the news. For example, this week, the IMF published its World Economic Outlook, and I don't think it was featured on a single front page of any media outlet in the country, but, but they have a table where they have the uh, current account balance, the difference between exports and imports, and that's closely watched by the ratings agencies because uh, when you can't pay your way in the world, you've got to borrow more from overseas. We were the worst country out of 40, uh, they call them advanced developed countries in the world. We're the worst out of their 40 developed countries in the world. Uh, it's We're minus 8.6% of GDP. And Greece is the next country. It's minus 8%. So we're worse than Greece. So there are shocking numbers coming out about, uh, you know, our economy now. Um, so we're just doing badly. But don't don't let, let there be in any doubt. There's a, quite a, a deep level war going on about what led to this. And I, I guess I know that because I've been part of trying to write articles and influence. And it's a very, it's a battle and it who wins it will depend who wins the election. The government are trying to do a narrative that external factors are to blame, everyone else is doing badly, and re we're relatively not doing in, in quite good shape. And they need to run that narrative to win the election. And there's another narrative that they completely buggered things up the last three years. And they really don't want that narrative to gain to gain traction. So that's the sort of the battle at the moment that it, it, did they really, were they incompetent and messed things up? Or is it all Putin's fault? Is it the fault of coronavirus? You know, can we just find all these external factors, hurricanes, you name it, an endless list of things that you can blame from climate change to God knows what. That's that's the reason we're doing badly. My, my view is it's, uh, it, it's, it's incompetence. Wow. Okay. So that might speak to what you're talking about before with the sort of the, the pushback from the journalists and the the tag team uh, performance. Yeah, you that, can't let that narrative gain, gain traction that it was. So what's my evidence for incompetence? Yeah, it, I got the figures in March 2021. It, it wasn't so much, look, whether it was good luck, good measure, whatever. I think ordinary Kiwis won the COVID victory, the first year of the virus, 2020, when we had eliminated it. And we were lauded throughout the world for having done better than virtually anyone else. The Kiwi public had all obeyed the rules and we didn't have the virus in the country. GDP only contracted 0.7% to the end of March, 2021. We had one of the best performances out of any advanced developed country in the world. Now, we, sh we had an opportunity to build on that and to leverage that into a, a sustained economic prosperity, and they threw it all away. 
They threw it away because the finance minister and the governor of the Reserve Bank spent and borrowed and printed money. They copied the policies of overseas and they put us in this mess. But we were in a position where had they done things differently, we would still be top of the world. So they there wouldn't have there, there wouldn't have been that because people thought that there was inevitably going to be hardship and uh, earnings would be down and you know yeah. staff uh, needed to be compensated. All those sort of, uh, kind of made sense to a lot of people back then. You're saying we should have just really left it be. They they went uh, and spent and borrowed too much and too wastefully. And there was never any need for a quantitative easing program. That whole 50 billion quantitative easing program was a mistake. They know it in their heart. The governor knows he messed up with that. They never needed that program. They've lost billions on it and they never needed the program. And and, uh, the finance minister never needed to spend and borrow on the scale he did. I mean, the five or 10 billion that he uh, did in wage subsidy to the biggest companies in the country, Fletcher's are still sitting on $70 million of that money and won't give it back. They spent and borrowed wastefully. There was never a need to go gangbusters on those programs. They were going gangbusters in the United Kingdom. And you know what its GDP was at the end of March 2021? It had fallen 11%. Wow. Ours had fallen 07 we didn't that, need... that's, that's depression era that's depression. Sort of stuff, isn't it? So they did depression policies. They did uh, money printing and spending and borrowing, and they thought this is how you deal with depression. We were never in a depression. Well, they so did depression policies here when there was no depression. They well, don't they must want have, there was no depression in New out. Zealand. I remember this. Um, but they must have thought there was. They got it wrong. They just really stuffed up. Well, it was obvious that there wasn't because we had that, uh, you know, that 2020 year uh, without the virus. And, you know, after the lockdowns have finished, we all went on and got, you know, got on with our lives. At that time, the whole of 2020, there were tens of thousands of people dying in the United Kingdom. We were in a completely different space in March 2021 from countries like the UK. We'd never been ravaged by the virus. And I think the, I don't, I think the health victory in that sense was in, incredible. And, you know, uh, uh, Kiwis did an amazing job. Our leaders, the governor of the Reserve Bank and economy, the finance minister, they threw away the hard-won victory that Kiwis had made over the virus. Isn't the bank supposed to be completely independent, though? Because it sounds like, you know, the... Um, it took two to tango there. I mean, who's ringing up who and telling whom what to do? Or you've just got people who are independent of each other thinking the same, what, group think or something like that? How, how do you think that would work? Well, I, I think it's emerged through some of these, you know, scandals we've had in the civil service and the, the Rob Campbell saga with giving... Um, making these political comments. In some ways, I'm I'm sort of on Rob Campbell's side in a way, because what was his mistake? His mistake was actually putting what he thought on Twitter. Had he not done that, he'd still be in his job. Well, there are thousands of very high-level civil servants who think, you know, exactly the same as uh, Rob, and all they're doing is being careful not to use social media. So... I mean, the, the, the idea that um, Adrian Orr is some kind of independent uh, central bank governor, I, I don't buy that at all. He has very strong beliefs that are very partisan. 
He's come out with them on the environment, for one thing. Uh, he's entered a whole host of very controversial uh, issues, even outside monetary economics. So, you know, we know that his views on the environment are actually quite aligned with the Green Party. So I, I don't really buy in that sense that he's particularly independent. Is is it time for him to go? Well, uh, they, they you know, the government renewed him. What can you say? Well, OK, so why would they renew it when when he's obviously, let's say, let's say we build a case, he's incompetent, you know, uh, when it comes to any sort of measure. And you, you keep your job. You, they renew the deal. There, there must be something in that. My view is probably Grant Robertson's regretting renewing this contract. That would be that's my opinion because you could of, still fire the guy. You still do it. No, he can't. I might understand this. He can't. No, because uh, well, in the national politicians interest? can't fire civil servants in this country. It's done by the state state services commissioner and. Uh, you know, they're trying to protect the independence of the civil service. So. Yeah, but if it's taking down the uh, economic uh, health of the country, you've got to do something. That's part of the independence of the bank. It's very hard for the minister to uh, to, to fire a governor of the Reserve Bank. They're, they're insulated from that. Or are they on the same page? Um, I think he may regret it now uh, that he continued. I think he had a difficult decision Uh if he didn't renew him, it was a calculation. It would be, almost be an admission of error, an admission that, that he made a mistake. They can never do that, can they? They can never yeah, say Yeah, and so then he sort of renewed him, trying to say, I fully stand behind what he's done and we've done nothing wrong. They don't want to admit mistakes. I think that's what was driving it. Well, it's interesting. Um, earlier in the morning, uh, we spoke to um, uh, the manager of the Mungary Budgeting service mm. because we wanted to get an idea of what was happening sort of at the coal face and yeah. she had a couple, she had one really interesting statistic normally they're deal dealing with beneficiaries and that, that's obvious because you know it's really tight there and mm -hmm. you know it, it, it's a difficult life but uh she said that there's been a 63 percent increase in people in work who have come to them and the majority of the problem for those people uh, making it very difficult to well pay their debts but get by is the increase in mortgage rates. Mm. But starting to bite now. So mm. if you look ahead, you mentioned the, the house prices. I don't think anyone thought they could slide that far. Mm. Maybe a little bit, a bit of, you know, here, there, that's happened in the past. But we're talking mm. uh, double um, percentage figures and it could go further. It sounds mm. like a maybe a perfect storm is mm. gathering, would you say? Yeah, yeah, things. I mean, Richard Preble wrote an article in the Herald saying, you know, uh, Hipkins' luck is running out. That's right. A lot of things are, are moving uh, against them uh, at, at the moment. So I, I think it was probably one of the uh, silliest things that was ever said by a public official when Orr um, in, uh, stated to Chloe Swarbrick uh, that he was engineering a recession. I mean, that was a classic. I mean, for the government to go into an election where one of the top government officials has said, I want to cause a recession. I want to cause you pain. I want there to be more people in Mangere who are hurting. I want them to be going to food banks. I want them to be not, not able to repay their mortgages. And I'm going to even put up their interest rates higher because I want more unemployed because I want less pressures, price pressures, less pressures on wages and less of a wage price spiral. So I'm going to break you. 
until I get inflation down. That's quite an achievement. I mean, the, the government is going into an election saying we want to cause all the pain this year that we can to Kiwis to get inflation down. That's actually an extreme right-wing position, by the way. I'm a softy lefty by comparison. I think, uh, you know, give the people a break. But uh, apparently, uh, you know, the, the Radio New Zealand don't agree with me. Yeah, and, and this is the, after all, the party in power is the party of the, of the uh, everyday New Zealander and the, you know, working class, et cetera. Yeah. Um, you'd think the last yeah. um, group of uh, in a society they want to hurt is them. So that mm. comment, engineering recession, who actually said that? That was uh, Swarbrick. Chloe oh, Swarbrick right. asked Adrian Orr in a parliamentary select committee, are you trying to engineer a recession? I said, do you really want one? He said, yes, I am. That's right. Wow. I am. So, um, you know, that could lose the government the election. They want this recession. It's not something they didn't want. And, and it's a very dangerous line because uh, that's saying that it's an admission that the recession is not coming from overseas. It's not uh, saying that it is Putin's fault or coronavirus or, you know, something out of our control or the weather. No, the governor said, I'm engineering it with high interest rates. So the government has said we want it and we're causing it. Yeah, well, that's not a winning strategy, I would have thought. But if it's mm. not reported or reported accurately or if it's mm. uh, defended by media to create mm. the impression that it's just crackpots like academics who are criticising yeah. and saying these things, then mm. they could probably shimmy by it, maybe. Yeah, they're trying to sort of downplay it, that's right, and get back to the narrative that it is Putin's fault and... Uh, that's why the media the last week uh, with the IMF report, they were running all these headlines that the whole world is slowing down. They want Kiwis to think that everyone is doing badly and that it's really nothing to do with our uh, officials. Well, if Kiwis are in ignorance due to that, they're going to find out soon. Well, they're probably starting to find out now. It's, mm. uh, I mean, mm. I went to the supermarket and eggs are $11 a dozen now. They used to mm. be six. So, mm. um, you know, that's really obvious. So mm. it's how long? Um, six months to the election, seven months. Mm. What would you forecast between now and then if the Reserve Bank, can, can they wind it back? Is it possible for Adrian Orr to get up there and say, okay, First of all, they have to admit that maybe they got it wrong, but we're going to mm. drop it. We overreach. It's going to be too hard. I mean, you might get a call from the finance minister begging him to do that. Is it possible? Well, uh, he, yeah, it's unlikely he will, because then again, his credibility starts being shredded. Then it becomes an admission of mistake. And uh, But is it already done? Isn't the credibility already blown up in his face anyway? I mean, look at the way we're talking. I don't think the Reserve Bank is just re regarded anymore as an impressive place. I worked there in my first job, and we all looked at it with, you know, incredible, you know, respect. It was uh, regarded as sort of the, you know, we sort of trembled, you know, in the, you know, under the 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 mighty governor, and uh, they were like the oracle. And uh, but I think now Kiwis regarded as a bit of a joke, really. The place, I mean, it just does whatever. Uh, any you know any person can could sit on the monetary policy committee. You don't really need any expertise. You just you know put up your finger and test which way the wind's blowing, and you know put and up interest right rates, things. put them down. What the hell, you know? So, and, and say the right things, right? And say um, the right thing. They've got a they, team. Haven't yeah. they got a bit spiritual as well? 
<laughs> they've got a comms team of like 20 people now have yeah. they so they'll put things right and manage the media and um if there's any negative news they'll try to um reverse it and don't i remember when i worked there because the, the the comms people would uh look at the newspapers every day to see all the articles that refer to the reserve bank so they're reading everything we're saying they'll go over this interview and they'll try to neutralize it and they'll neutralize it in very subtle ways gosh and i thought they were there just to maintain um uh, a steady um monetary sort of ship for the for the nation but it's more than that now huh well what do 17 people do in the comms team that day they're scouring the news they want a positive image of the bank yeah they're managing the image of the place so if it was up to you and someone had to save the world here, what would you do? You, you said that uh, this would only change with a with a change of government, but would it? Well, uh, of course, that's the, the, the question on um, the big question for the Nats uh, because it's not as though we have a party waiting in the wings like uh, you had Roger Douglas on your show, I hear, and it's not as though there's going to be a government coming in like an 84 with a, a, a radical reform program, which they're going to argue, argue is going to change the country. Um, as far as I can see, much of what National are offering to solve our problems is more immigration. That's, well, that's not very patriotic because there are Kiwis who need, this is just me mm, talking, how come we're always helping mm, other people out? <laughs> mm, mm. And, and I'm, I, it surprises me, that position, because if you look at the uh, right-wing parties in the United States, obviously the Republicans, the issues about the wall, but even the Democrats have come round to, you know, uh, supporting more, you know, stringent border controls. And in the UK, of course, uh, the Tories and Brexit. And in the continent, uh, many leaders have been swept to power who are taking a harder line on immigration. But the good old Kiwi Nats seem full on for, you know, going back to the key years of, of more, more immigration. So Because uh, it keeps pumping things, right? It just keeps pumping. They seem to want to pump, pump, uh, yeah. Yeah, pump prime things. So that, that seems to be their secret weapon for economic growth, which is leading, leaving us, a lot of us a bit cold. The, um, point you made about uh, the most recent tables that you mentioned there, which showed us performing really badly and how that wasn't reported. I don't recall any other politician talking about it either. No, no. You'd think that would be making hay while the sun shines. You could slam them, body slam them on that. But And Luxon's a business guy, apparently. He ran the airline. That's right. Mm. Uh, so, what, they're just missing it or, or choosing? Are these people all the same? Yeah, I agree. They seem all the same. Um, look, uh, they're not good debaters, uh, as far as I can remember. I tried organising debates. I did a freedom of speech debate years ago at the university, and it's, it was the last debate I ever did. I decided I'd never hold another debate because I couldn't find debaters. Oh. Um, we got Simon Wilson from the Herald, and he, he stood up and like read his notes. He just written notes, and he read from them. Well, in the debate, you're meant to speak without notes. You know, and then Fran uh, O'Sullivan, she she came and read notes. It was very hard to find a, a speaker. The star speaker of the event was Elliot Ikalau, who um, I think he he's uh, 
standing for parliament in South Auckland uh, for the New Conservatives. But Elliot Ekenau, he was he gave the best speech, no notes, uh, really barnstorming speech on the uh, you know in favour of free speech. And but the rest were just really bad debaters, and uh, I'm I'm finding that now MPs now you watch Parliament they're they're just not scoring the points, they're uh, they're not debating well. You look at the the shows, you know they're not um, you know they're not debating well on any of the any of the shows. All right, so um, should Kiwis be? Uh, I mentioned what we'd heard from the Mungary Budgeting Service, and that's just the start of it. Can you see, and in that interview on Morning Report, you were talking people were going to be in pain, and you were saying mm. it like they were going to be in pain. How much mm. pain, Rob? Well, the unemployment rate's pro- projected now to rise to, you know, 4 or 5% in the country, so that's right. It's be tens of thousands of people. And we know unemployment is the single biggest source of, you know, a human misery that can be caused by an economic downturn. So the government want more pain. They want pain through more unemployed to get the inflation rate down. That's, crazy. that's not come from me. That's come from them. They're engineering yeah. a recession. That's what a recession is. You can imagine that as the as the major policy for the election. We're engineering a recession. Vote for us. We want a recession. Yeah. We want a recession. Yeah. And that's you will be happy. <laughs> and it's an important point you made because by renewing his contract, it kind of ties Grant Robertson to Adrian Orr. Because if he wasn't happy with that, why did he renew him? Well, that's what that's the point I was trying to make. You know, mm. these two operating together. One is I'm not too aware of what well, you kind of um, described Adrian Orr's politics, you know, sort of elements of green, et cetera. But, you know, what happens when you have the head of the Reserve Bank, the governor, sort of politically aligned mm. very strongly with one particular mm. party or, or political movement? I mean, no one knows where anything stands, do they? Well, the proof you asked about whether or is partisan, of course he is. The proof is that should National get in, they want to they want to get rid of him. That's proof he's partisan. Because in the United States, uh, Alan Greenspan famously uh, was appointed by uh, a Republican president, Reagan, I think, and then he was uh, reappointed uh, or by Bush, but he was reappointed by Clinton. So he was appointed by a Republican president that and tells reappointed you right? by a Democrat. Yeah. They were both mm. happy with him. Here, uh, the Nats and Act are not happy with all. So he's a partisan governor. But uh, as for Grant Robertson, um, I mean, my impression is he just doesn't have his heart in it anymore. I, I just regard him as uh, essentially he's, that he's retired already. I mean, he's retired yeah. from his seat in Wellington. Pulling back, uh, eh? And, um, you know, Maggie Thatcher said, uh, Margaret Thatcher uh, right to the end of her days in politics, said the most important part of her job was serving her, her electorate, that it put her in touch with ordinary right. people. Yeah. And without that, she couldn't operate as prime minister. And every week she'd go to her electorate to, you know, understand, you know, what ordinary regular people thought about their lives. Well, I think Shaw, the leader of the Green Party, no, and Grant Robertson can't be bothered with electoral seats. You know, too hard. Yeah, too hard. Ordinary people and their problems are just not something they want to be concerned about. Just sit in the beehive and go to go to meetings. And I, I regard both Shaw and uh, Robertson essentially as having already retired from politics. That's really interesting. Okay, Rob, we'll leave it there. Yeah. Thank you for your insights. And um, we didn't do a Corin Dan on you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have a great day, and we'll talk again. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Professor Rob McCulloch on Reality Check Radio. 
RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.